So, the reading for today um, is from Luke 1, 26 to 38, and we're going to be thinking about Mary this morning. In the sixth month of Elizabeth's pregnancy, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a village in Galilee, to a virgin named Mary. She was engaged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant of King David. Gabriel appeared to her and said, Greetings, favoured woman. The Lord is with you. Confused and disturbed, Mary tried to think what the angel could mean. Don't be afraid, Mary, the angel told her, for you have found favour with God. You will conceive and give birth to a son, and you will name him Jesus. He will be very great, understatement of the year. He will be very great and will be called the Son of the Most High. The Lord God will give him the throne of his ancestor David, and he will reign over Israel forever. His kingdom will never end. Mary asked the angel, but how can this happen? I am a virgin. The angel replied, the Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. So the baby to be born will be holy and he will be called the Son of God. What's more, your relative Elizabeth has become pregnant in her old age. People used to say she was barren, but she's now in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. Mary responded, I am the Lord's servant. May everything you have said about me come true. And then the angel left her. Father, we thank you for your gift of the Bible. We thank you for your gift of allowing us to understand the story of the Annunciation to Mary. We pray now for Lou as she comes up to speak to us about Mary um, and about accepting what God wants us to do. We pray that her words would be your words and we would pray that our hearts will be open to listen. Amen. Amen. Good morning. So here we are. Please remember, next week we haven't got a service in the morning, have we? Yeah. <laughs> I doubt it, but yeah. Just thought it would be important that you remember that. We've just got our special crib service in the afternoon. So turn up if you will, but uh, you might just need to take a walk by the seafront if you do. Well, here we are. 
thinking a little bit about the story that we've just heard about Mary. I heard a story this week that made me smile. It's, uh, it was about a, it's about a reception class teacher, so one of the teachers that looks after the real little is, you know? The ones that I would think would be an absolute nightmare to have to look after, because one's all right, two's a bit of a stretch, but a classroom of them, nightmare. Absolute nightmare. Must be like herding cats every day. Anyway, this teacher, they've been looking at the uh, nativity story since the end of October, because that's what you have to do to get them ready, isn't it? For their Christmas performances and the like. They'd gone over the story so many times. They've sung the songs. They've done the whole shebang. And they get to this point. It's nearing the end of term. And she says to them, do you know what I'd like you to do? I'd like you to draw a picture of the nativity scene for me. The story that we've told, I'd really like you to draw a picture of what you think it was like. You can use paint, glitter, crayons, pens. You can imagine the mayhem that then took place. But the little kid that got his picture done first went up to the teacher with his drawing to talk through it with her. I always think, always thought when my kids brought uh, pictures home that it's a bit like a minefield area when they come with their pictures because you want to go, that's a great tree, and they go, it's not a tree. You have to be careful, don't you, when kids bring pictures to you. That's lovely. Would you like to tell me what's happening? Because then you don't make the big faux pas, do you? So she looked at this picture and she said, this looks amazing. Let's talk about all the things that you've put in that picture. And he said, well, there's lovely air. There's Mary and Joseph, baby Jesus. They've got some kings with some big presents. Got some sheep and a cow and a donkey and a Tyrannosaurus Rex because they're all in there now. And went through this picture and she said, you know what, this is brilliant. But there's one person in here that you've not told me who this person is. Who's that bloke, that round little fat bloke at the end of the... Who's that? That's round John Virgin, miss. We sing about him. <laughs> we sing about him most years. And I thought it would be wrong if I didn't put him in. You see, there are many misconceptions about the Christmas story, aren't there? Because sometimes we don't hear it right. Sometimes we think we know it. Sometimes we, just through tradition, I mean, there was no stable, but we just perpetuate the myth, don't we? Because it's nice. There are lots of misconceptions around the story. There are lots of misconceptions around the characters in the story. And I think there are many misconceptions that surround Mary, if I'm honest. Do you know, it wasn't probably all that long ago. Here's one of my favorite pictures of the angel coming to Mary. This is in St. Marco's uh, monastery, I think, in uh, Florence, Fra Angelico. Anyway, I won't bore you with that, but if you want to know more, come tell me. Um, we went in there looking at these amazing pictures. He was round in 10 minutes. I'd only looked at this one. I was still stood on the stairs going, will you look at that? And he's like, I've been round all of them now. Will you move? Anyway, uh, it wasn't that long ago, in recent history, really, where there was lots of discussion that arose following claims from theologians and certain bishops that the accounts of the birth of Jesus, as we have them in the Gospel of Matthew and Luke, were a bit questionable because, do you know, in this modern age, are we really, are we really, really to believe that Jesus was born without a human father, that he was born of a virginal conception? 
Well, I have to tell you, do you know what? If we believe in the God of the Bible, the Lord of outward external events as much as spiritual internal ones, then I say there is no reason really that I can see that we should not believe that Jesus was born just as Matthew and Luke tell us that he was, by the creative action of God's Holy Spirit upon Mary. And Mary is held in very high esteem uh, within parts of the Catholic tradition as the mother of Jesus. She was seen in much of their theology sometimes as the exalted queen of heaven who distributes gifts and graces of the Spirit. Now, of course, as with any response of protest against something we don't agree with or like very much, there is always the danger that we throw the baby out with the bathwater, isn't there? I think as uh, evangelicals, as Protestants, we're quite good at that, actually. If there was a medal in it, we might win one, I think. Because I think um, we have done that a little bit with our thinking on Mary. We failed to really look at Mary. We failed maybe really to learn something from her story, lest we fall into the great error and sin of a Catholic tendency, whatever that might be. But you know what I mean, don't you? We get a bit twitchy about it, don't we? But you see, since, uh, since Vatican II, uh, there's some of the thinking about Mary that's come out of the Catholic Church, I think has been incredibly insightful and really impressive. Because Mary is not seen so much as this queen of heaven who distributes gifts and graces. Mary is seen as a model charismatic. Yeah, you see. And now we're all going, the Catholics said that. Who would have thought it? Who would have thought it? Yeah, a model charismatic. Why? Because she is one in whom the spirit begins to do the work that has its climax, not really in her, but in her son, Jesus Christ. The Holy Spirit enables her to birth Jesus to the world. How amazing is that? How amazing is that? You see, what happens in Nazareth isn't the completion of the work of the Holy Spirit. It, it is, in your if you like, the starting point of the work of the Holy Spirit in the New Testament. We often think that the starting point for the work in the New Testament doesn't really come until Acts. You know that bit where they all speak in funny tongues and everybody thinks they're drunk? We think, oh, it doesn't happen until then. I think we see it here. We see the starting point here in this young girl in Nazareth. Therefore, Mary, do you know what? She is important. Mary's story should be looked at. Mary's story should be studied. It should be reflected upon. It should be meditated upon because in Mary, we have a picture of what it is to be truly charismatic, of what it means to be a person who is openly available to the Spirit of God. In Mary, we see and we anticipate something of God's Spirit's dealing with all of those who believe in Jesus Christ. You see, this story has something to teach us today in this period of Advent, of preparation for the coming of Jesus with regard, yes, to how we respond to the Spirit, but I think it does that because it teaches us something about the nature and the person of God's Spirit as we look at the story of Mary's encounter with the Spirit of God. It's a three-pointer this morning, you'll be pleased to know, so you know when you need to be awake at the end, all right? The first thing that I just want to draw out from this is that in Mary's story, we are able to see something of the Spirit's work. We're able to see something of how the Spirit works. What is it that we see the Spirit doing in this story? 
as the angel comes and speaks to Mary. What we read and see happening, I, hear, I think, here portrays the Spirit as being the one who is the giver and the Lord of life. Verse 35 in the reading that we had spoke of how the Spirit comes upon and overshadows Mary. And that takes us right back to Genesis, where we read about the Spirit of, the, of God hovering over the face of the deep. The Spirit's work is one of creation, and the Spirit's work is one of life. The Spirit comes upon and overshadows Mary here in his work of forming Jesus Christ in her. The Spirit works revealingly in Mary, not for his sake, not for her sake, but so that Jesus can be formed in her and born from her. Notice also that the Spirit here, one of the aspects of the Spirit's creative work here is that of fellowship. I think this is really easily just overlooked. We don't notice it. Due to the Spirit's creative work in Mary, Jesus is formed in her belly, if you like, and fellowship is created around Jesus Christ almost immediately. She, the, the Spirit draws together men and women around Jesus. She goes off to see Elizabeth. The baby in Elizabeth's womb leaps for joy as there is this fellowship between them because of Jesus. There's Joseph who comes and travels with her for the, due to the census. We have the wise men, <laughs> aliens really, if you like, complete outsiders who are drawn to the Christ child. We have shepherds who were the downtrodden, stinky, completely outside of anything people, drawn into fellowship because they come to see Jesus. We have Anna and Simeon in the temple you know, who are waiting. They are drawn to Mary and Joseph. Why? Because they look different? No, because Jesus is there. The Spirit creates fellowship around the person of Jesus. Every person gifted with their part to play in receiving Jesus and then telling the world all about him. The Spirit works creating and giving life. This is what we see happening in this story of this young girl who says yes. We also, I think, see something of the Spirit's way. It appears to me that in Mary's story, we're able to see the Spirit at work and identify the way in which the Spirit could be, um, comes along and works. The, Spirit, the way the Spirit works, I think, could be best spoken of as giving. What do I mean by this? Well, I don't see in this story God's Spirit imposing himself upon Mary. I don't see in this story the Spirit forcing Mary to accept any of the promises that are made to her. Do you? No. Everything the Spirit offers is offered to Mary as a gift. Mary is highly favored because this gift is bestowed upon her, not forced upon her. But we also see in Mary a wonderful picture of willing reception. There is certainly no reluctant compliance here, is there? I suppose the question then arises as to whether Mary's ability maybe to accept all of these things is maybe part of the gift. Is it that the way in which the Spirit works here with Mary enables her to, as Paul says in Philippians, both will and work in accordance to the pleasure of God? It appears then that Mary remains very receptive to God's Holy Spirit work right up to the moment of her free response where she says, yes. 
Mary takes no initiative in any of these events. The Spirit is seen here to work in inviting her and giving her the grace to surrender fully to the work of God in her life if she so chooses. Sometimes I think that's important for us to take hold of. I mean, I don't know how it's been with you, but, you know, I went from a Brethren church to a very raving Assemblies of God Pentecostal church, and it was weird. It was weird and strange and slightly scary because it didn't really seem very controlled. If you, and I quite like things to be a little bit under control, all right? And it didn't. And there was always that fear factor for me. I went away on a retreat with a few girls. We went up to this house where we normally up in Grantham where we have this retreat. And we had somebody come and speak with us and stay with us. And this person was very dynamic, very charismatic, was very into, you know, praying and, and, and stuff happened when they did. And I remember standing in this room and I was the last one to be prayed because they decided they were going to go anti-clockwise round. I thought, great, I'm going to get it over and done with first, but I was the last one. And as this person went round and prayed for all these women, stuff happened. Some of them fell to the floor. Some of them sobbed. Some of them laughed. There was stuff that was happening. And I was thinking, this is great when I can watch it happen in someone else. And as we went round, it got to me. And I really, really wanted to be able to experience something of that, but I also didn't, if you see what I mean, because I was a bit frightened of what might happen. So I remember thinking, come Holy Spirit and do what you will, but I'm not falling down. <laughs> come Holy Spirit and do what you will, but I'm not going to be laughing like that. Come Holy Spirit and do what you will, but please don't make me sob uncontrollably in front of everybody else because I don't know whether I can cope with it. And do you know what? Nothing like that happened to me. Do you know why? Because God's Holy Spirit doesn't force himself upon you. Because he is gentle. And because he waits for you to say yes. And even if you say yes, none of that might happen. Because he's gentle. His way is gentle. The Spirit's way is gentle, enabling, and gracious. Maybe you need to hear that today because I know that was part of what I needed to take hold of. And we see that in what happens with Mary. She's not forced to say yes. She's asked whether she would accept what is given to her or offered to her. Third point, wake up if you're just about to drop off. The third thing I think we see here is something of the Spirit's aim as well. This story is one in which we see God, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit in this in, intimate, mysterious relationship with one another. We, we begin to realize that the work of the Spirit has an aim. And this appears in this story to be to make Jesus known, to make Jesus seen, to make Jesus experienced. The aim of the Spirit's work is for the sake of the Son and the continuation of the kingdom of God's work. And I wonder this morning what your aim is. I wonder what this morning the aim and the purpose of us being here in this place is. I mean, yes, it's to see everybody and have a chat. Yes, maybe it is because you always come here. Maybe it's because you were brought up to come here. Maybe it's because there's nothing great on TV on a Sunday morning. I don't know. What's the aim of us 
being here? What's the point of this fellowship in this community? My hope is that it would be that we are here to make Jesus known and we are here to enable Jesus to be experienced and we are here to continue the work of Jesus because if it is anything other than that, there is no point. We are just a club, a little gang of people. It is a club and it is not really church. We are here that Jesus might be made known. That is our aim and that is our purpose. We are here to equip one another to go out Monday through Saturday to be able to share Jesus, to do the things he would do, to live our lives as if he was walking alongside us, to be Jesus with the people we meet. That is what we are here to do, to encourage one another to do those things, to enable that to happen for the glory of God. And if that is the case, I don't know whether you've twigged yet, but that's quite similar to what I see as the Spirit's aim in this story. The Spirit is working that Jesus might be known. And if this is our aim as well, if this is our purpose, isn't it incredibly arrogant of us to consider that actually we can do any of that stuff on our own without the help and the guidance and the equipping and the giving and the leading of God's Spirit? And if you answer to this morning, well, yeah, of course, it's a bit of a no-brainer, then what kind of response do you need to make? What kind of response do you need to make to the Spirit who creates and gives life with gentleness and grace, enabling Jesus to be made known? If having looked at the story of Mary, if having seen and realized something of the work and the nature of the person of the Spirit, and realized that in this story of Mary, we see some kind of parable, some kind of example that anticipates how God's Spirit deals with all who believe in Jesus, then surely we see what our response should be as we look at this young girl called Mary. Mary's role here, I think, is in relationship to our response what do you see her doing? What do you hear her saying? I am the Lord's servant. May it be to me as you've said. That's what she says. May everything you've said come true because I am the Lord's servant. And in saying these words from the heart, in saying this big yes to what the Spirit longs to do in her, what the Spirit, only the Spirit can do in her, Mary is drawn into the action of the Father and the Son and the Spirit. Mary is united with God through Jesus Christ by the Holy Spirit. Mary is enabled and equipped and led and guided to play her part in receiving and then proclaiming Jesus. The Spirit that we read of in this story who overshadowed Mary and created and gave life with gentleness and grace for the sake of Jesus and the continuation of God's kingdom work, who enabled her to receive Jesus in her unique way, is the same spirit who this morning invites us to allow him to enable us to receive Jesus afresh. That we might be drawn into the action of the Father and the Son and the Spirit this Christmas. That we might be enabled and equipped and led to play our part, not only in the receiving of Jesus and the receiving of God's Spirit afresh, but also in the telling of the story, in the sharing of the good news of the Advent God, of the God who comes to us, of the God who abides, stays with us by his Spirit. And so I wonder...
I wonder this morning what your response is to such an invitation. And I wonder whether we would be as willing and as ready to literally just fall to our knees and say from our hearts, let it be to me, let it be to me, come afresh to me, come fill me with your spirit that I might receive all that you have for me afresh. We're going to pray for a moment and then I'd like us to do something maybe just a little bit different from what we'd normally done do if you're up for it and it doesn't matter if you're not. I'm going to lead us in a prayer and then there's just going to be a little video clip that we'll play. But if you feel this morning that you do need to make some kind of response to say yes to God, to whatever maybe you sense um, is being asked of you, and you don't need to say anything about what that is, if you know that maybe you just want to come forward because you sense you need to be filled again with God's Holy Spirit, then I'm going to ask that while that clip is on, you come to the front. I've got my anointing oil here. I'm not talking about full-on prayer ministry that's going to go on for hours. I'm saying if you'd like to come to the front, I can anoint you with oil and ask that God's Spirit might come afresh to you, that you might receive Jesus afresh this morning. That's all. And then you can go back to your seats. If that's something that you feel that you'd like to do, then please do that. If not, it doesn't matter. Just stay in your seats while the clip is on. But let's pray now. Father, we thank you for this story that we hear so often, we feel we know so well. We thank you for the example of Mary, this ordinary young girl who was willing to hear you speak her name, who was willing to say yes to you, who was willing to make herself utterly, completely, wholly available for you to do in and through her what you longed to do. We thank you that the same Holy Spirit that came to give life, that came to create so gently, so beautifully, so graciously, is the same Spirit here this morning. The same Spirit who comes alongside each one of us that we might be drawn deeper into the mystery of all that you are, that we might experience afresh your love And Lord, we ask that you would help each one of us as we draw so close to Christmas to be able to be ever more available to you, that you might come, that you might fill us, enable us, create new things within us, and that you might help us to make Jesus known. For we do ask it in your name. Amen.